Why? That's often the first question that runs through our minds when we're suffering. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. The question in difficulties is always why, and it's a hard question to answer. Almost all the time, you're not going to get it answered. You're not going to get it answered until you get to heaven. The question really isn't why, but who? Who's your God? Who do you trust? Who's on the throne? But for Hannah, because we have part of the story with her, we get a little bit of insight of why God delayed the prayer and why she was barren for so long. She was barren for so long to bring her to this place of desperation. And out of this desperation came dedication. And God is going to use Hannah all along in his timing and his purposes to bear a child whose name will be Samuel and be used to bring great stability and strength to the nation of Israel. This is amazing Well, maybe you find yourself in a desperate place in life as things have turned south in a hurry. That's the place we find Hannah as we open 1 Samuel 1 on Abounding Grace. She was barren and wanting a child. It was a tragedy for a woman in that day and even can be for some still today. She was in a miserable place of desperation. And we'll see that this desperation in her life led to dedication. And it's a great example for us to consider whenever we or someone we know is in deep difficulty. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with more. Verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. So you know, this is hard horrible stuff. And men, I really hope, and listening, people listening in on the radio, and I I really hope you never have to see your wife like this. I really hope you never have to deal with this kind of issue in your your marriage where your wife is in bitterness of soul and, and weeping in anguish. But that's where she's at. She made a vow, verse 11. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And so although Elkanah knew what the issue was, he couldn't solve it. He couldn't solve it. Only God could solve the heart and the womb problem in Hannah. Which reminds me again, married couples, we so often look to our spouse as the solution to our problems, to our depression, and to our anguish of soul and to our discouragement. But really, all they can do is listen. Only God can help with the heart issue in your life. Our spouses are not made to be God replacements in our lives. Our spouses are given to us as helpmates as we become one but they can't give us and fulfill 100% of our needs. Only God can do that. And we do a disservice to our spouse when we expect them to do something that they're incapable of doing. And it's just a side note here where you see this. Elkanah is, 
he understands something's wrong. He, he doesn't know really what to say and what to do. And the Bible says to cast all our cares upon the Lord, to give all our worries and cares to God. And there's a great intimacy in a marriage where we can share ourselves, but share what's going on in our lives. But man, when there's a great difficulty that only God can, can, can solve, then we need to trust God together. Then our marriage becomes one of faith together, trusting the Lord, recognizing only he can help. And that's what's described uh, in verse 10. Notice, she, she is not looking to Elkanah to solve her problem. She's not looking to her husband to fulfill this emptiness. She's not looking at her husband as the solution. This, de- this desperate, this discouragement, this difficulty in her life caused great desperation that will now lead to a dedication. She's so desperate that she's just seeking the Lord. She, that's how desperate she is. With her prayers now came a vow. Now, you got to understand something. Hannah is barren. She wants a kid. That's what she wants. She wants a kid. She wants a child. But the desperation of the situation, this is a miracle here. She says this, if you give me a child, I will give him back. Now, that's not just some kind of dedication where I dedicate to his, li- his life to the Lord and I'll raise him. In her mind, she literally means, I will give him back to you. We're going to find out that she's going to drop him off at the temple. He belongs to God. She's satisfied or she's going to be satisfied with the time that she can spend with him because if God does give her a kid, the kid belongs to him and that's what she's committing to. That's heavy. And I pray, God, give me the heart of Hannah. I want to, I want to, I want to be in that place where desperation now will lead to deeper dedication and now we understand a little bit. Because, you know, the question in difficulties is always why. And it's a hard question to answer. Almost all the time, you're not going to get an answer. You're not going to get an answer until you get to heaven. The question really isn't why, but who? Who's your God? Who do you trust? Who's on the throne? But for Hannah, because we have part of the story with her, we get a little bit of insight of why God delayed the prayer and why she was barren for so long. She was barren for so long to bring her to this place of desperation. And out of this desperation, and out of this desperation came dedication. And God was going to use Hannah all along in his timing and his purposes to bear a child whose name will be Samuel and be used to bring great stability and strength to the nation of Israel. Now, if you told Hannah that, she probably wouldn't have believed it. So just hang tight because in eight and a half years or whatever time, in this amount of time, this is how it's all going to go down. And, you know, Hannah probably would have said at that thing, no, 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 I want him now. I don't want eight years. I want him now. If you're going to give me a kid in eight years, why can't you give me a kid? And I I don't know the time period. I didn't look up the time period. But if you're going to give me a kid in years, why can't you give me a kid in months? And if you can give me a kid in months, why can't you just conceive right now? Because Peninnah is just dogging me, and I'm tired of it. This is wrong. I want a kid, and I want to raise that kid. I want to put her in Peninnah's face and say, ha, 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 leave me alone. No, that's probably our flesh, but we don't know what Hannah would do. But we do see now in the delay, the delay led to desperation. The desperation led to dedication. And through that dedication, God uses that for these purposes that we're studying about Hannah and Elkanah and Peninnah even to this day. Right now, their lives are encouraging us. Wow. 
by the time she really comes to this place of desperation, her prayer is not just that she wants a child. Now her prayer is something like, I want a child not for myself, Lord, but for you. That's huge. Pick up with me now in verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth and Hannah spoke in her heart. Now Hannah spoke Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought what she was drunk. That answers a quick question that comes into Calvary Library once in a while. Can you pray without speaking out loud? The answer is Yes, just a little side thing for you. Um, of course you can pray in your heart. God hears you, he knows you. He knows the words that you're going to speak before they even leave your mouth, Jesus said. So because her voice was heard, not because her lips moved but her voice wasn't heard, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. So poor sweet Hannah, barren, taunted, provoked, weeping, Hungry, sad, sorrowful, desperate, lonely, insensitive husband. She comes to a place of worship, and who does she meet? Eli, an insensitive, prayerless priest. And it just seems to not get much better for her. She doesn't know yet. Understand this. She doesn't know yet she's not going to be barren. This is all happening real time for her. We're kind of already thinking about Samuel. We already read ahead. We know what God's going to do. This is happening real time. This is all happening one after another, after another, after another, after another. And now the place where you would think she'd get some sensitivity, the place where you think she'd get some ministry, the place where you would expect the pastor, what we would call today the pastor, to really have a spiritual heart and a spiritual mind and not be goofing off and really be focused on serving in ministry He totally misses it. And this is a few things we learn here that we don't want to miss. Number one, the spiritual climate of the day is not a good one. We already know that from Judges, but it carries over into 1 Samuel. The spiritual leaders were very poor because poor leadership leads to poor leadership that leads to poor leadership. That's the only thing you can reproduce is yourself. And so we learn through Eli here that the times were tough. Not only that, because we know from, Eli, from uh, Hophni and Phinehas that Eli was a horrible priest, a horrible pastor, and a horrible dad. He didn't take care of business. He didn't take care of business spiritually. He didn't take care of business practically. So Eli, also number two, is a warning to us. Eli becomes a warning to us. Can I give you a passage just what the warning is? Would you turn over to Proverbs chapter 3? Proverbs chapter 3. If you haven't already memorized this, one of the first verses I ever memorized, it's my life verse. If I sign something or I write something, I usually put this verse uh, next to my signature, next to my note. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Eli is a warning to us, especially as we're counseling, ministering to people. We see somebody and, and outward appearances lead us to one conclusion like this. She kind of looked a little bit, you know, desperate people when they pray, they don't fold their hands and close their eyes and just sit there. This is a desperate woman. She's no doubt just, just moving and her lips are moving and she's probably just my life. It probably looks some behavior of drunkenness. Or Eli's just reading into it. But 
It says because of her mannerisms, he concluded that. This is what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says. And this is very important to keep in mind in every area of your life, but I don't, it's especially important when you're serving other people. Because, you know, pastors are not the only ones that give biblical counsel, what we would call biblical discipleship. Anytime you give someone advice, anytime you give someone a scripture, anytime someone asks you for help, anytime, believer or unbeliever, this verse applies. It says, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Don't lean on your own understanding, especially when you're serving others in the depth of their pain, in the depth of their sorrow, when you have outward appearances. Eli here does more harm than good. He does more harm than good in God's name on top of it. And you and I can do the same. And sometimes we do. And we need to be very, very careful here. I, I'm reminded of another example. You'd relate very, very quickly. Job's friends did the same thing. Job's friends were very, very effective those first seven days. Because in those first seven days, they just sat there and said nothing. And then they decided, enough sitting. This brother needs some advice. And all they did was rail on him, rail on him. I remember reading Job as a new believer. I was trying to read through the Bible, and I remember reading Job, and, and I was reading his friends. I, I didn't really have any commentaries or anything, and Pastor Jeff wasn't teaching through it. So I was reading through, and I was highlighting everything. This is good. This is good. You know, be, everything about what they were saying, be righteous, be holy. It's your, and I'm like, man, then when I, when I finally was taught Job, and I found out how wrong I was, you can't unhighlight your Bible. Did you know that? Like there, somebody needs to like go to the shark tank and, and add, you know, invent something that unhighlights. You know, if you're high, it just doesn't happen. You, you, but, but the good news is, is that you can change the way you behave. God can do that in your life. You can unhighlight things in your life. Maybe not in your Bible. It'll be, always be a reminder. But in your life, if you've done something and you get another chance to do it, you can do it differently. That's good news. If you've given bad counsel or you've leaned on your own understanding before, the next time you can fix it. You can really trust the Lord. And you know, it's okay if somebody comes for you counsel and they lay it before you and they go, well, what do you think I should do? It's okay to say, I have no idea. I don't know. Let's pray together. I really don't know. Instead of, well, you know, I experienced this in my life, so you should do this. Or, yeah, you know, I was dealing with this guy over here. Oh, yeah, you know. No, I don't know. And neither do you. You need to hear from the Lord. You need to hear from the Lord, praying and seeking the Lord, seeking wise counsel and, and really grasping because the, the real issue that's before us is that it's never happened before. We've never experienced it before. So we just really have to seek the Lord. Now, the other good part of this, the good news now is, not only is Eli's a warning. Eli shows us here, first of all, that the condition of the, the nation is really bad. Secondly, it's a warning to us not to lean on our understanding because you're dealing with people and you can hurt people more than they're already hurt when they don't want to be hurt anymore. They want help healing. They want help understanding. They want help to, you just take them to Jesus, take them to the throne room, and the only, sometimes the only way you can do that is just pray with them. I don't have advice. I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm personally not offended. We go, well, you're not a good pastor. I'm probably not a good pastor. I'm just telling you, I don't know. I just don't know. But I'll tell you what, I know one that does know. 
It's kind of like Daniel, remember? When he was interpreting the dreams, he was, well, you're a dream interpreter. No, I don't interpret dreams, but I know who does. I know who can give the interpretation. And just to have that confidence, that even if I don't know right now, I think if God wants me to be a part of it, he'll show me. And if he never shows me, I can still demonstrate love to someone without ever trying to fix their problems. Because you're not dealing with a problem, folks. You're dealing with a person. Don't forget that. Eli comes up, you're drunk, you're drunk. She was a passionate, prayerful, hurting woman. That's her problem. She was the opposite of what he concluded. And he doesn't even come up to ask her, are you okay? She says, you know, you're drunk, woman. The third thing, though, that we learn is very encouraging, and that is the Holy Spirit will help us. The Holy Spirit will help us when serving others. We don't have to fear serving others and opening up the Bible with people with deep difficulties because God helps us. We don't have to have experienced everything that anyone has ever experienced in order to be an effective vessel in the hand of God because God knows all. And the Bible says that we don't have a high priest you know, like us that hasn't felt and lived like us. Jesus went through life just like you and I, but without sin. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, the Bible says. And so we have the Spirit of God. We don't have to feel intimidated when giving counsel. We know that the Lord, this accusation of her being drunk was completely and spiritually insensitive to the fact that this woman was in deep agony, bitterness of soul, pouring out her, out, pouring out her heart to the Lord. The opposite of what he concluded, could, the, he was so far opposite because she was exactly what she needed to be, crying out to God. That's exactly where she needed. She was 100% in the right place. How quickly we can jump to wrong conclusions. It's hard to jump back. So be careful, church. Verse 15, back in 1 Samuel now. I just want you to know we will not finish the chapter. But let's finish this section here, at least from the paragraph. Pick up with me in verse 15. Well, verse 14, so Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. And now Hannah has to defend herself again, just like she did with her husband. Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I've spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Remember, Hannah's name means gracious. What a picture of grace here. Mishandled, misunderstood, hurt upon hurt, and she still expresses respect to Eli and receives the word of the Lord from him. What a gracious answer she gives to an insensitive spiritual leader. No, my Lord, I've just poured out my soul before my God. It's probably a description of prayer at our deepest. In Romans chapter 8, let me read it to you in verse 26, Romans 8, 26. It says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. For we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. 
And so with Hannah, it was no sound, no utterance, just the groaning of her spirit, praying desperately to her faithful God. And very graciously answering, and then just says, hey, I received that word. Let your maidservant find favor. And she leaves that word, even though it came through an insensitive, she was able to hear through, she was able to receive through, that word took away her sadness. It's like, yes. Just the word of the Lord ministering, ministering to the deepest needs of our hearts. Too often our prayers, and I just lay this out before you, perhaps as a challenge, perhaps just to stir you, that too often our prayers are merely from our heads and not from our hearts. And God wants to deepen our prayer life. You know how he does that? Through painful trials. It's one of the tools. It's not the only tool, but it's one of the tools. I think God sometimes brings us to a place of utter desperation and despair that will bring us to an utter depth of prayer that we normally didn't into, we normally don't enter into when we finally get desperate before God. Where we take our prayer life to the other level and to a new level. And I can tell you this from the moment that I received the phone call that my son, Eddie, had collapsed and was on the front lawn and we were up in Breckenridge. And we came home, uh, came straight to the hospital, probably a little faster than normal. And we rushed over there, I can say, since that phone call and that desperate call on, from his wife on the other side that moved us into action immediately, our life has become one of desperate prayer. And it hasn't changed. Some days are better than others, but there has been a depth of prayer that I can say I haven't had before. I can say that in, with absolute certainty. And the prayer actually has become something along the lines, you know, don't, like we saw in Corinthians, don't give me something, Lord. Give me you. Don't give me something. I'm, I'm not asking for something. I've learned over the years, even when I don't pray for things, God still supplies all my needs according to riches in Christ Jesus. If I forget about something or I'm not trusting in him, God is so faithful even. But I'll tell you, man, when you're desperate, when there's a depth of desperation and anguish and bitterness of soul and all kinds of emotion that comes with that, I'll tell you, you your life will change. And I'm, Hannah, as I hear, she's in desperate. She hasn't lost someone in her desperation. She just doesn't have someone in her desperation. She wants to have a baby. That's how desperate she is. A huge, huge desperation. She says, I'm not drunk. I'm just a desperate woman praying and expecting God to answer my request. I like that. Yeah, I'm not drunk, man. Drunk people normally don't seek the Lord. It's usually the other way around. The Lord sobers them up in an instant with some tragedy that comes because you're under the influence of something. I'm not drunk. And it's just a joyful thing where we end up, verse, that, that led to a lack of sadness. It, le- it led to happiness and joy. The presence of the Lord, the answer of the Lord. And this is another way of seeing, as she leaves, the end, verse 18, again, if you'd like to take notes, another way of looking at an example in the Old Testament of what it looks like to have a peace that passes all understanding. Where she was desperate, husband, priest, pastor, has a little conversation, the word of the Lord spoken to her, oh, all right, I'm good. That's pretty, pretty powerful. 
Today on Abounding Grace, we've listened into a portion of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in 1 Samuel. Now, if you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And have you had a chance to download our app? This is another great way to take in the teaching of God's Word. Download it for free today by searching for Ed Taylor. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. And maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads these comments. So let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please remember that Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord to provide and guide. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Erwin Lutzer's excellent book, How to Break a Stubborn Habit, When Your Decision to Change is Not Enough. This is a must-read for anyone who struggles with getting rid of a nasty habit. Call us now at 877-30-GRACE. Again, our number, 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryco.store. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 1 Samuel. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.